Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Everybody, it's time to believe in the Big 12. If you're a Big 12 baller, this podcast is the place for you. Every week, we dive into the hot topics surrounding Big 12 football and even some basketball. Guest stars, former players, industry experts, conference shakeups, hoops hypotheticals, football fantasies, you name it, we have it. In the process, we'll look at marquee matchups, roster comparisons, coaching carousels, and analysis of big-time moments. You will literally feel like you are etched into the fabric of the Big 12. From the creation of basketball to history repeating itself on the gridiron, our take on all things Big 12 will have you glued to the edge of your seat. So whether you've got a favorite Big 12 team or are just a fan of the conference, buckle up. It's going to be a wild ride. Welcome to the Believe in the Big 12 podcast, a proud member of the Believe Podcast Network. Welcome to episode number nine of the Believe in the Big 12 podcast. And on behalf of the entire Believe Podcast Network, before we kick off, I have to ask, do you believe? And more importantly, for our purposes, do you believe in the Big 12? Because the Big 12 is delivering some epicness right now. I mean, the whole national landscape is, but especially the Big 12. A lot of interesting football games, a lot of amazing comebacks, a lot of conference shakeups, a lot of games that were more interesting than we thought they would be, and more games that weren't. And then we just had those rankings get completely blown up by upsets and unique outcomes with major implications for our ultra-super-massive Big 12 power rankings, which is what we call them. And why, you may ask? Because... Even though they won't officially be joining the Big 12 until 2023, we've been including Houston, BYU, Cincinnati, and UCF in the rankings. It's only right to see how they stack up and that we start pretending like this is the new normal, because it is. And even though they're on their way out, we're going to include Texas and Oklahoma until they're officially gone. So once again, welcome to this week's edition of the ultra-super-massive Big 12 Power Rankings. And we have very exciting news to kick things off. The door is open for Cincinnati, just like I thought. Oklahoma lost, which means Cincinnati is undeniably the top dog in our ultra-supermassive Big 12 power rankings. And for crying out loud, they should be number one in the college football playoff top 25 rankings. Not just our power rankings. And I know, that's a bold claim, putting them above Georgia, Alabama, Ohio State, But if there was ever a team from a non-Power 5 conference that could play with these behemoths, it's Cincinnati. Because, again, for those who don't know, a bearcat is some sort of odd fusion between a bear and a cat. I don't know. I've never seen one in the wild. 
but I've heard tales of their grandiosity and their majesty and their ferocity. And I know you heard me put those bearcat noises in the in the podcast last week, so don't pretend like you've never heard one. Okay, you know they're real. And we all know a mascot is the most important indicator of a team's chances. The Bearcats had a monumental day. Not only did Oklahoma lose last Saturday, making the Bearcats one of four remaining unbeaten teams in the country, but they absolutely dominated South Florida. And quarterback Desmond Ritter had a historic night. And most importantly, Cincinnati is officially in the top four. What a moment. I've been waiting for this day to come. Now pass me the rum ham. Desmond Ritter threw two touchdown passes to break the Cincinnati career record and ran for a score to help the number two Bearcats beat South Florida 45-28 last Friday night. Cincinnati, now 10-0, has started the season with 10 consecutive wins for just the second time in school history. And so much of that has to do with their mentality. Coach Luke Fickle has infected this team with a championship mindset. Even coming off of a victory when he likes to encourage his team to celebrate, Fickle also makes sure they remember this fact. We're still climbing. And when you're climbing a mound, there's going to be struggles. There's going to be obstacles, and we had some tonight. But, he also said, Desmond Ritter had a phenomenal night. And he was not wrong. He looks at the negatives and the positives and helps them grow as a team. Great stuff. Ritter broke the school record with his 79th touchdown pass for Cincinnati. 79. It was a 21-yard strike early in the third quarter that made it 31-7. Gino Guadugli, now Cincinnati's quarterback's coach and passing game coordinator, had 78 scoring passes from 2001 to 2004. How cool is that? Guadugli is beyond excited for him and literally is on the sideline watching him do this. That just shows the chemistry between the players and the coaching staff that Cincinnati has. Gudigli said, Something special, man. He's earned that. It just makes it that much more special if your record is going to be broken. I'm extremely happy for him. I love him like a son. Wow. That is a player-coach bond right there. Ritter completed 31 of 39 passes for 304 yards and ran for 65 yards on 13 carries to boot. I told everyone in the locker room that this ball and this record wasn't just me, Ritter said. And on top of Ritter's success, Cincinnati showed that streak of resilience that I've been talking about. After turning the ball over on its first and fourth plays on offense, Cincinnati tied it at seven when Ryan Montgomery scored on a 12-yard dash with 2.57 left in the first. They had several costly first-half penalties, including an offside call that gave USF a first down in a punting situation, and an ineligible receiver downfield that negated a Ritter touchdown pass. With that and the early turnovers, the Bearcats struggled to close out this win, allowing three long second-half scoring drives and losing a fumble at the South Florida one-yard line early in the fourth quarter. Just like the one they almost lost a week prior against Tulsa. That said, Cincinnati... You know, this is kind of a good problem to have. They build up sizable leads, and they always find a way to close them out, even if it isn't pretty. They do it with style, and they do it with fundamentals. And most of all, they do it with championship class, which is why they're officially in the top four in the country, ranked number three. And if they keep this up, 
they'll have a shot at the national championship. I'm calling it. Coming in at number two, Oklahoma State. That's right, Oklahoma State. Oklahoma gets usurped. Oklahoma State looks absolutely battle-tested and ready to win. I mean, seriously. Every week you think it might be the week that's a close game or a trap game or they lose, but no, they keep on winning and convincingly. This past weekend was no different. They looked even more dominant, cruising to a 63-17 win over TCU, which just played Baylor down to the wire, so TCU by any stretch is not a bad team. So that's not a roll-over-and-die type of program right now. I mean, that's a solid team. And this is the best part of their victory. They were honoring legendary running back Barry Sanders, the shiftiest back in the history of the game. And how did the team do it? How did the team pay tribute to Barry Sanders? Oh, you know, just by rushing for almost 450 yards at a godlike average of 7.1 yards per attempt. The entire Oklahoma State running back room combined for eight touchdowns eight that's the standard number of slices in a pizza that you eat while you're watching the game and QB Spencer Sanders did his part too completing 17 of 25 attempts for 235 yards and a touchdown pass he wanted to take at least one touchdown from the running backs but he also rushed for 50 yards himself so perhaps even more startling is that Oklahoma State outgained TCU 682 to 273. And why do I bring that up? Because it's not like it's just the Cowboys' offense. The defense can straight ball out, too. They didn't even let TCU sniff the end zone until the fourth quarter when backup QB Sam Jackson went in. And one of TCU's scores was on a careless offensive turnover. Oklahoma State recorded seven sacks to top it all off. And now, 9-1 and and 6-1 and in conference play, they are a force to be reckoned with. Look for more inspired play against Texas Tech tomorrow. And at number three, now we have the Oklahoma Sooners. They drop a spot. Their top in the nation's 17-game winning streak is over. And yes, they stay above Baylor, okay? So can it. I don't want to hear about it. All right? It's a really tough loss to Baylor. Really, really tough loss to Baylor. So let me explain this. Let me walk through this with you. It likely ends Oklahoma's college football playoff hopes. That might be true. I mean, they definitely still have a shot, but there's, there's a chance this dashes their hopes. They moved all the way down to number 12 in the AP Top 25 poll. And you know who's right above them? Baylor. So why isn't Baylor still at number three and above Oklahoma in our power rankings? Because the ultra-super-massive Big 12 power rankings don't ball out that way. Scoreboard. Oklahoma is still the better team, and I truly believe that. Baylor has lost twice, and Oklahoma has lost once. It's as simple as that. Furthermore, Oklahoma absolutely dominated TCU, who beat Baylor. And their victories have been grittier. Baylor's had some impressive margins of victory, but so has Oklahoma. And they've won more close games than Baylor has. And the other big factor? Oklahoma hasn't played Oklahoma State yet. The other team that beat Baylor. That'll be the real litmus test. But for now, Oklahoma is still the better team on paper. And in person. Coach Lincoln Riley, despite having his team held to 260 total yards, 
and their fewest points in a game since 2014, ironically also against Baylor, he says there's still a whole lot left for this football team. That's the advantage of winning your first nine games, is you do set yourself up to be able to overcome something like this. We'll bounce back like we always do and like we fully expect to. See, the Sooners still control their path to get into the Big 12 championship game for a chance to win their seventh consecutive conference title. They'll really need Caleb Williams to step up and make the big plays at the big moments, don't get me wrong. And you certainly can't overlook Iowa State, who's been playing some lights-out, upset-minded football lately. But I fully expect a bounce-back game for the Sooners against the Cyclones and a pivotal battle with Oklahoma State the following weekend. And now number four, who we were just talking about. Let's get to it. Here is Baylor. And what a victory for them over Oklahoma. Talk about a morale boost. And talk about defense. Look, Baylor is not likely going to win the Big 12 Conference, okay? We just have to be real about that. And while they did beat Oklahoma, it's not quite that simple. But it doesn't matter when you have a defense that's rolling on all cylinders like Baylor's is. I just want to focus on that. Holding the mighty Sooners to just 14 points? That is awesome. So I probably shouldn't have been so harsh on Baylor, saying that they better enjoy their number three ranking on our list while it lasts, and that they'd be out of the top three next week. Well, newsflash, they're still out, and I'm being harsh again. Look, their win over Oklahoma was phenomenal. But was it amazing, convincing, spectacular, blowout dominant? No. And we all know that every year, unless you're Georgia or usually Alabama, you're allowed to lose one game. This was that game for Oklahoma. But that doesn't mean Baylor shouldn't be proud. They ended the Sooners' 17-game winning streak, which was tops in the nation. Quarterback Gary Bohannon threw a touchdown and ran for two scores in the fourth quarter to seal the game. And Baylor's defense harassed both Oklahoma quarterbacks and made their field division relegated to the turf. The win does keep them in contention for a Big 12 championship, and they do sound like a confident, level-headed team. It's controlled confidence, you know? We put in the work, and we get expected results, said linebacker Terrell Bernard, who had nine tackles and two sacks for Baylor, who's now 8-2, and 5-2 and two in the Big 12. Bernard went on to say, we didn't play up to our standard last week against TCU. And we corrected some things on tape. We put in a great game plan and came out here and executed. I don't care that I rank them behind Oklahoma. That's the talk of a great football team. And no matter what happens in the Big 12 this season, Baylor has to be proud of its performance. They held Oklahoma to the fewest yards in Oklahoma coach Lincoln Riley's five seasons. This was the first signature victory in two seasons under Coach Aranda. Fittingly, a standout defensive performance from the former defensive coordinator of LSU's national championship two seasons ago. They still won't surpass Oklahoma or Oklahoma State in the Big 12 rankings, as I've said. But this is definitely something to hang their hat on in terms of bowl game prospects and the program as a whole. Number 5, Iowa State. Their comeback bid against Texas Tech fell just short. Unlike Texas Tech's game-winning field goal, but it was valiant, and I like the grit, 
no cigar, but I again, I hearken back to the resilience, and Iowa State showed plenty of it. They trailed by as many as 21 in this game, and as many as 17 points in the second half. They definitely didn't look like a team that just routed Texas and beat Oklahoma State just a few weeks back. The Cyclones did tie the game with a minute to play with a field goal, but then Texas Tech came right back, took advantage of the sleeping Cyclones, picked up 30 yards, and that's all it took for them to kick a winning field goal. (laughs) More on that later. But to put this loss in perspective, the 41 points that Iowa State allowed was the first time it allowed 40-plus points since its loss to Oklahoma back in 2019. And it's not like their offense was abysmal. They racked up 445 yards. Brock Purdy, he threw for 356 yards and three touchdowns. The problem is they gave up 529 yards. And the most concerning part? This is the first week I haven't gone crazy about running back Brees Hall. Star running back Brees Hall was quiet. He only tallied 51 yards on 18 carries, a measly 2.8 yards per carry. And you just can't win with that. Hopefully Brees Hall and Iowa State return to form. But for now, they're number five. Number six, BYU. Now they've been on quite the break. BYU's last game was on November 6th when they absolutely dominated 59-14, to just to refresh your memory. So there's no changes to be made here because BYU didn't hit the gridiron, which is too bad because if they had a convincing victory, I would have moved them up a spot. All eyes will be on that matchup with USC November 27th. But for now, here they sit at number 6. Next up, at number 7, Kansas State. And Deuce Vaughn is at it again. Now, Deuce Vaughn. Vince Vaughn? No, not the actor Vince Vaughn. What? This is football. Why would he be playing football? Okay, whatever. Deuce Vaughn, Kansas State running back. He ran for 121 yards and a touchdown. Sammy Wheeler had a nice touchdown catch and a crucial fourth down grab that led to a clinching touchdown. And the Wildcats snapped a five-game losing streak in their series with the West Virginia Mountaineers. I liked this victory a lot for the Wildcats. And they got it because they had their mind right. The belief, the confidence, the expectation. Those are kind of the three terms we've come up with the last three weeks. Kansas State coach Chris Kleiman said, Have confidence that you know the plan and can execute the plan. Have belief in yourself and each other and then raise the expectation each week. That's good coach speak right there. So quarterback Skylar Thompson, he only had 138 yards passing, but he did make a few clutch throws when the Mountaineers cut the lead to seven in the fourth quarter. And even though that happened, this game never seemed in doubt. From the jump, Malik Knowles almost broke the opening kickoff for a touchdown. The only thing I didn't like is how many fourth down conversions the Wildcats gave up to the Mountaineers to close out the game. They have their eyes on an optimal bowl game. They've got a good shot at a, at a solid bowl game, but they'll have to tighten up in moments like that and close out when they have the opportunity, especially if they want to get to and win a legitimate bowl game. So they said at number seven. Number eight, we have Houston. Yes. Houston moves up, finally, and jumps above Texas. I mean, finally, we have some movement for the Cougars, who have just been sitting in the same spot for the last few weeks. So big-time win here. Houston officially locks up 
the AAC conference title game bid and their 37-8 victory against Temple, a game that was never in doubt. Alton McCaskill, he posted a career-high 129 rushing yards to send the Cougars to the AAC championship for the first time since 2015. Dana Holgorsen's Cougars remain unbeaten in AAC play as they extend their win streak to nine games, the program's longest since they started 10-0 in the 2015 AAC championship season. The only thing I didn't like about this game is that the end result was a comfortable 29-point victory, yes, but featured some first-half sloppiness from Houston. The Cougars entered halftime with a 10-0 lead over the slumping Owls, marking their lowest scoring first half since trailing 17-7 versus Navy in Week 4. However, the unit corrected things by posting 27 points in the second half, marking its sixth consecutive game exceeding 30 points. True freshman halfback Alden McCaskill, he's been a rising star for Houston this year, and I mean a real shooting star, which has been awesome to see. I've started making wishes whenever I see him score touchdowns, and they mostly come true. He ran for a personal best 129 yards, breaking his record from last week. By four yards, albeit, but still breaking his record from last week. It was the first game this season where Houston produced more rushing yards than passing yards too, which was actually refreshing to see, more balance as a team. But quarterback Clayton Toon, he still continued his stretch of efficient football, and he finished his fifth consecutive game with multiple touchdown passes and zero interceptions. And the defense, well... They only got one sack. But overall, this was a solid, complete effort from Houston. Number eight. Number nine, we have Texas. And my, how the hammer has fallen. And what a way to lose. Really disheartening loss here. Stunning, really. You never want to be the team that snaps somebody's eight-game losing streak. But there were some positives for Texas. They rallied from 21 down in the second half to force overtime on Casey Thompson's touchdown pass to Cade Brewer with 22 seconds left. Texas got the ball first in overtime and scored immediately on Marcus Washington's scoop and stretch touchdown catch. But this is just plain rough, realistically. Texas, 4-6, and 2-5 and five in the conference. They started 4-1 and one under first-year coach Steve Sarkeesian, but now they've lost five in a row. For the first time since 1956. That is a long time. Texas has to win its final two games to become bowl eligible, and they haven't missed a bowl or had a losing season since 2016. Sarkeesian's predecessor, Tom Herman, he never had a losing season in all four years and won all four of his bowl games. Casey Thompson finished with 358 yards passing with six touchdowns for the Longhorns. How do you lose with that many touchdowns? I mean, it's a devastating loss for a program that's started the season ranked, but has just had an utter collapse. And instead of surrendering a second-half lead this week, the Longhorns never led in this one. And making things worse, standout running back Bijan Robinson, who I've been so high on, left the game in the third quarter with an apparent arm or shoulder injury. So a lot of where Texas goes from here depends on his return and whether they can shore up that defense. Okay, uh, next we have TCU, number 10. And I go from calling them mighty, mighty TCU to calling them pathetic in one week. I know, that sounds harsh. 
listen, I still like this team, but 63-17, to 17, I don't care who you're playing, that is rough. TCU quarterback Chandler Morris, who made his second career start, he completed 11 of 20 attempts for 103 yards, one week after a breakout performance in an upset win against Baylor. Hot and cold. TCU scored its first touchdown of the game on a quick two-play 75-yard drive in the fourth quarter when it put backup quarterback Sam Jackson in behind center. But other than that, things just went downhill, and I have to leave TCU right on the fringe here at number 10. Number 11, we have West Virginia, and I gotta say, I was almost gonna put them at 10 and TCU here at number 11 just based on some of the recent games and and how badly TCU was blown out. But I got to say, watching this game, I've never seen anybody shoot themselves in the foot more than West Virginia did in this game. They completely lacked discipline that TCU did have at times. So despite the loss, I will give the Mountaineers an A- for effort and resilience here, though. Kansas State kept on watching from the sidelines as West Virginia converted fourth down after fourth down to keep its comeback hopes alive. Quarterback Jared Doge had 268 yards passing with two touchdowns, but two interceptions for West Virginia. And he was just five for 14 on third down. But like I said, three for four on fourth down. That's when it really mattered most. But this deficit was just too hard to overcome. I mean, they began digging a hole for themselves almost immediately. Quarterback Jared Doga was picked on the game's second play, skipping right off of Winston Wright Jr.'s hands and into those of Russ Yeast. Kansas State promptly marched 55 yards to take a 7-0 lead. And what happened a few minutes later? Well, the Mountaineers' Vandarius Cowan hit quarterback for Kansas State, Skylar Thompson, with a helmet-to-helmet blow and was immediately ejected. Here's what West Virginia coach Neil Brown had to say. They did absolutely nothing in the game to beat themselves. And that's hard. And they did that. Zero turnovers. They had one penalty the entire game. They didn't have any unforced errors. West Virginia, on the other hand, a blocked punt due to an illegal chop block, a missed field goal, a sack on a critical fourth down. That's just tough. And when they did score... It was their first touchdown in 21 possessions spanning three games. They simply couldn't overcome the early mistakes, even though they played almost flawlessly for the second half. But the Mountaineers, they're going to need to beat Texas and Kansas in the next two weeks to become bowl eligible. Tough sledding, so got to leave them here at number 11. Number 12, Texas Tech. Last week I said Texas Tech outdid itself. The Red Raiders. And now I'm saying it again, a 62, yes, 62-yard field goal to win the game. Are you kidding me? Texas Tech kicker Jonathan Garibay booted a 62-yard field goal as time expired to give Texas Tech a 41-38 win over Iowa State and Lubbock. The Cyclones, who had won five straight games in this series, tried to mount a comeback, but Texas Tech always had answers. The Cyclones did tie the game with one minute to play thanks to a 29-yard field goal from Andrew Mavis, but Texas Tech immediately got the ball back and traveled 31 yards before it stopped to attempt a 62-yard field goal to win the game. I just can't get off that. How awesome is that? Most NFL 
kickers would miss that. And they also had 529 total yards compared to 445 for Iowa State. And they basically shut down Iowa State's running back, Brees Hall. So that was a great, solid victory and winning in an epic fashion. Which brings me to number 13, Kansas. Lucky number 13. Folks, it is finally here. The day that Kansas is out from the bottom of our ultra-super-massive Big 12 power rankings. They are no longer the bottom dweller. And shout out to my cousin Matt, who texted me in all caps, mind you, that he would stop talking to me if I left Kansas in last place after this victory. I didn't do it because of you, Matt, but because Kansas deserves this, no matter what. It was finally time. KU showed some serious fight in their showdown with Texas, going blow for blow, I mean pound for pound, showing that they are resilient and still have the gusto and the spirit to give it their all. Awesome stuff. Risking it all and going for two in overtime to win the game? Gutsy call. Awesome. So Kansas moves out from the cellar to number 13. And last but not least, number 14, UCF. Well, the Golden Knights sure made it a party last Saturday. A party for the other team. In a total romp, SMU beat them 55-28. to They allowed 377 yards and three touchdowns through the air. And they allowed three scores on the ground, too, for good measure. Just brutal. This was one of those games where you thought a crazy upset was about to happen, only to see the underdog get stomped. Ryan O'Keefe pulled in an 18-yard pass from quarterback Mikey Keene, and Parker Navarro ran in from the 6 to put UCF up 14-7 with 5.33 left in the first quarter. But the Mustangs then answered with 31 straight points to take a 38-14 lead into halftime. Basically, they got manhandled with several nasty stiff arms by SMU's running back Ulysses Bentley IV, which is a great name, by the way on a 56-yard touchdown run to tie it. And then SMU never looked back. One bright spot was the run game for UCF. Mark Anthony Richards, he ran for two touchdowns in the second half for UCF, who's now 6-4, and four, including a 58-yard dash early in the third quarter. And that's not nothing. He finished with 104 yards on eight carries. So that's pretty good for eight carries. So hopefully they can ride that momentum. And hey, they're still above 500. Even if they do fall to last place in the ultra-super-massive Big 12 power rankings due to Kansas's absolutely wild-card decision-making. To sum up, Cincinnati is top dog for now. But I think they'll stay there and make history by making the college football playoff. The second and third spots are totally up for grabs between Oklahoma and Oklahoma State, but we know it's going to be one of those teams. Sorry, Baylor. And Oklahoma and Oklahoma State will face off before you know it. The middle of the pack had quite the shakeup due to Texas's collapse, allowing teams like BYU and Houston to rise in the ranks. And last, but definitely not least anymore, the Kansas Jayhawks made some noise absolutely ravaging Texas on a last-second go-for-broke two-point conversion in an overtime shootout. Gosh, I love college football. And we've got more madness on the horizon. We'll see you back here next week, and be sure to share this episode with a fellow Big 12 baller who would like to hear more hot takes on the madness 
Stay tuned and thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.